Good morning. Welcome to Valley Lights Church. I'm excited to see you all here today. Thanks for joining us this Sunday. Uh, we are, for the past few weeks, we've been in a message series called The Usual Suspects, and we're looking at uh, the descriptions of different types of fools. In the Bible, there's uh, the word fool comes across many times, especially in the Old Testament, but if you look at the original language, the Hebrew, you find the profile for five specific types of fools and really foolish strategies that we use in life. And uh, when we look at these strategies, uh, you might begin to recognize some of the patterns or maybe you've lived out some of the foolishness or some of the consequences of foolishness. And so um, really we're looking at these profiles uh, to help us uncover the source of some of the frustration, some of the counterproductive ways of living that we have. I had an encounter with my own foolishness recently. Uh, I met up with a guy for lunch and we got onto a topic that I kind of was viewing myself as an expert in. And so I'm like, oh goody, like this is, this is I'm, I'm, we're about to talk about my wheelhouse here. And so as we, as we talked, we're having lunch and I was starting to get really assertive about my opinions on this topic related to ministry and um, as I was sharing, I started, I started getting more interested in what I was sharing than I really than what I was learning. And sometimes and I, I have a bit of a weakness where sometimes I slip into caring about my goals in the conversation than I do about the person sitting in front of me. And that's what was happening in this conversation. I was, I was really just more interested in what I was saying. And this was a fairly new relationship and we don't know each other very well. So, which means just, there was very little trust in, in this relationship. And so, you know, as I said, I was pretty assertive. And so then when I drove away, I was reflecting on some of the things I said, and I, I was thinking to myself, what just happened? Like, I was like, I went, I like, I just kind of like went for it. I just shared everything that I was thinking. And um, the, the aftertaste of that conversation was souring in my own mind. And so I'm like, man, that was, so I, I called the guy within the next hour, and I, I called him, I, I, I shared that, and I said, hey, the way, the way that we had that conversation, I was being really rude. I'm, um, I was like, did, I don't know if it, did it feel that way, like I asked him, and he said he didn't feel like he could really openly share his perspective on the topic because of the way that I was going about it, and so I cleared it up, I said, I'm, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And uh, there's a Bible verse that really describes well what happened, Proverbs 18, 2. And so here's, here's the verse. Let's see if we throw it up there. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinions. So just put the, you can just label that conversation. And um, so the Bible is calling me a fool. <laughs> and uh, I'll own it. You know, for part of that conversation, not the whole thing, for part of the conversation, I was acting like a fool, not walking in wisdom. And uh, whenever I do this, whenever I do act like a fool, and there's a lot of different ways of walking in foolishness for me, uh, problems usually follow, or relationships get damaged, or my foolish strategies in life tend to create trouble and damage for myself and for other people. And the Lord really wants to clue us in, help us deal with some of the folly. Sometimes the verses, just, they use the word folly, which is another word for foolishness, God wants to help us deal with our folly that's causing us trouble. And so he shows us where the folly comes from. Jesus talked about this. He, he actually gives us the root 
of some of our folly. In, in Mark 7, he says it comes from within, <laughs> from inside of us. From within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, and probably these last two were coming out of my heart in that conversation, arrogance and folly. And these things, I don't know if you're willing to admit this or not, but the, the, the things on this list come out of our own hearts. There's like, there's some black stuff in there. There's some ugly stuff. And by the way, Jesus, Jesus is saying this about us. He's, out, he's like, it's out of men's hearts. And you know what? All these things, sometimes you get into these things and uh, people do these things because people do what makes sense to them. I mean, why do people do evil things? You know, adult, like adultery or deceit or envy. Why do people do that? Well, it makes sense. We do those things because in the moment it makes sense. Sometimes the foolish thing to do in a situation makes sense. So in, in, my, in my lunch meeting, my arrogant, foolish stance made sense to me in the moment. So this is a heart problem. I have a crooked heart. I've, I've, I've known Jesus for a long time. <laughs> I've been working really hard to follow him, and still my heart is full of sin and problems. Which is why in Proverbs 4.23 we're told, Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. And we have to guard our hearts with all diligence. We have to know what's in there, first of all. And then whether we like it or not, our hearts guide everything we say and do. Like our life, our just the, the source of our life flows out of our hearts. Even the very attitudes we choose. So if you're anything like me, then there may be some roots of foolishness still in the soil of your heart. I haven't been able to completely uproot those things totally yet. And the Bible shows us some of the roots of folly. So what, what you know, really, really get down into that deep soil of our heart, what's in there? What is, what is all this foolishness and sin growing out of? And the Bible shows, I want to I show you where some of this stuff originates. And you might you may be able to identify. So we have SAD hearts. This is an acronym, S-A-D. Our hearts are pretty sad. <laughs> and the first root in our hearts is selfishness. Selfishness. That, so if we're using the acronym SAD, the S is for selfishness. And the Hebrew word for this is eveleth. And this idea, this biblical idea, can be summed up in the phrase, I want what I want. I just, I got some desires and goals, and I want, I just want it. I want it now. Proverbs 22, 15 says, folly, uh, that word folly is eveleth. This, this, it's a type of foolishness that's a really stubborn selfishness. Like, my selfishness is driving me to some foolish strategies. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Talks about kids, and if you have spent even a little bit of time trying to raise kids, you can verify the truth of this statement. Folly, a real determined selfishness, is bound up in the hearts of a child. And I want to just give you like a one-minute example of this, showing you a, a video clip from a TV show called Super Nanny. And uh, this, this, uh, the person in the show, Joe Frost, they, they, she would try to help parents discipline their kids. And so here's just a quick example of one home that looked really great on the outside, but if you go on the inside, it's chaos. So check this out. You'll see this selfishness on display. Whoopsie.
I think you can give us a little more volume on this. I'm doing this one Thank you. All right. Hey, there was at least one kid that was eating as soon as I played. That's pretty good. I don't know. When I watch this, it's like sometimes it's a little close to home. This is like a show like this. You're like, oh, man, have I been there a thousand times? And uh, sometimes kids don't like to eat, which I don't understand because I, I get excited for every mealtime. But, you know, it's, this, is kind of a, a, this is a type of foolishness because you need food to survive. It's foolish to refuse vegetables. They're good for you, yet all over the world, kids refuse to eat vegetables, or sometimes anything, for that matter. And uh, so the Bible talks about this, this kind of folly. This is a very stubborn selfishness that um, grows up in every single one of us. So if you're a human born on this planet, this starts in your heart day one. And you, actually, you can, even, you can even see it in babies. And uh, this folly is in our hearts. And, it, and this verse says that the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. A parent's role is to train this stubborn selfishness out of kids through discipline. Most of us, probably most of us haven't had this happen. Probably most of us haven't had selfishness driven out of us as kids, which means it's still in there. And maybe you're not throwing an epic temper tantrum at the table. I don't know, maybe you do. <laughs> maybe, but there's, there's other ways that we throw epic temper tantrums, or we just, we're just really determined that we're going to get what we want. And nobody's going to tell me no. And, and this lives in us, this selfishness. Sometimes we're stubbornly, stubbornly determined to get what we want. And those desires guide our decisions. They guide our interactions with people. So that's the S of our sad hearts. Also, deep, another root, real deep in our hearts, is arrogance. The Hebrew word for this is haulela. And this folly shows up in our thinking is, you know, if selfishness is, I want what I want, arrogance says, and I deserve it. I want that, and I deserve it. I'm, I'm owed this. I should have this. I mean, it's really easy for commercials and TV shows to, like, market to this, like, you deserve it mindset because it's, it already lives in the heart. So I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever had anyone cut in front of you at Disneyland. And if you didn't know if whether or not arrogance is in your heart, then that feeling that you get, as soon as someone steps in front of you, you're like, oh, no. Like, no, 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 I was here first. I was here first is an arrogant statement. Like, I deserve it. So I wanna just give you another one minute clip just to illustrate this. Maybe, maybe you'll be able to identify some ways that this is lived in you. Here's a comedian, Brian Regan. Do our best to protect our place in line. First, it was the little kids in the family behind us. They just, they just got up in front of my kids. So my heart starts going. I look back, thinking one of their parents will say, no, we're behind this family and have been for a half hour. <laughs> That's what I was thinking should happen. 
But instead, the mom came up and said, what are you kids doing up here? <laughs> what are you doing up here? I look back at the dad. Maybe he's the voice of reason. He just squeezes up the other side and he says, well, I guess we're up here now. <laughs> so this time I had to say something. I'm like, listen, we're behind this guy that's in front of you. It's been a half an hour. And the dad goes, okay, go ahead. It's that big a deal to you. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's that big a deal to me. I want my family flying around in elephants before your family. <laughs> I wish I had handled it differently. I wish right when he would have stepped in front of me that I would have just reached into the pockets of his cargo shorts and just pulled out his belongings and just hurled them. <laughs> just as far as I could humanly hurl. And then just grabbed her purse and just whipped it into some distant flower bed, watching Disney receipts slowly be sent back down to Earth. <laughs> okay. Man, you, feel, you can feel that. That desire of like, man, someone just cut in front of me. And it, can, it shows up in a lot of different ways. Maybe you know that it's like your heart starts beating fast. Like if somebody violates your, quote, rights, man, your heart starts beating fast. And we deserve a lot of things. I deserve to be first in line. Hey, I deserve to get a break. I deserve to have you talk to me respectfully. Oh, no, you're not going to talk to me that way. I deserve, I deserve some peace and quiet. I, I deserve to have some nice things. I deserve a vacation. I deserve vindication and justice when I'm treated wrongly. This, come, this arrogance, it, it shows up in a lot of different ways. And I'm telling you, it is down deep in the roots of our hearts. And it's, it's a kind of self-focused, self-exaltation. And it's described in Ecclesiastes 9. It says, this is the evil and everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. He's saying this happens to everybody. The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. That word for madness is this word haulela. It's translated a few different ways, but it really means a self-focused, self-exaltation. And the reason this, this particular verse calls it madness is because it's really crazy to think of yourself that highly for us to do this. It's because God is the one who chooses where we live and how we live or what we have. And God, and when we get into prideful arrogance, God says he opposes the proud. He doesn't play favorites. So like when we get, when we get real arrogant, we get real puffed up on what we deserve. It's almost like we're lining up on a football field and you know, getting ready for the play. And the, and the opponent right next to me is God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to face off against God because he's already said, he's already determined to humble those who are proud. So I'm, I'm, it's crazy. It's crazy for me to be so arrogant. It's crazy to choose pride because God, instead, he gives grace to the humble. But when we arrogantly put ourselves first, um, he, he says he'll oppose us. So our arrogance makes it very difficult for people to live with us. <laughs> makes it very difficult for people to work with us, spend time with us. And it's really natural to think we're the most deserving and so that's why we put ourselves in the front of the line or try to get there because this folly is embedded in our hearts. Well, if we look at the third root, that third thing that's real deep inside of each one of us is D, stands for damage. So our hearts are sad and it's damage. 
Hebrew word is ra. And if uh, selfishness says, I want what I want, arrogance says, and I deserve it. And then damage says, I don't want to have to hurt you, but if you step in my way, I will do what's necessary to get what I want because I deserve it. And hurt, the way, the way that I can hurt you can look a lot of different ways. It can be with words, you know, certainly physical actions, but for most of us, it's probably generally words or attitudes. And we're, we're willing to hurt people to get what we want. If we go back to that verse in Ecclesiastes, I'll highlight the next part. It says, um, if you actually go ahead, thank you very much, excellent. It says, the hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil. That, that word evil is raw, and it's really is this, it's this willingness to cause other people damage and harm. And um, if you notice, <laughs> this, this evil, this, this damage, and this arrogance, it says it's in our hearts while we live, and it's not until we join the dead that we can actually fully deal with it, totally. So in the Disneyland example that we just watched, that comedian, he, had, he had expressed this desire to do damage. He says he, his arrogance was threatened, and so he's like, no, I want to I wanna pay back. I want to, you know, I want to punish them, whip, whip their stuff across the, uh, across the park. And you know what? Maybe, maybe we don't act on it totally. Maybe that feeling bubbles up, that willingness to hurt. Um, maybe those seething feelings are there. A genuine desire to see harm or difficulty come to those who block us may be there. Maybe if you're in that Disneyland example and something bad happens to them, you're like thinking like, oh, good. Like, oh yeah, that's, it should happen that way, and that's, that's not good <laughs> if we're glad when people experience pain. Let me show you one more um, quick clip from a film that really, uh, it, may, it may draw some attention to this desire to do damage when our selfishness is threatened. Check, this is from a TV show, Malcolm in the Middle. It started. It's already started. <laughs> I'm sorry. See? Like that. Right, things escalated quickly there. <laughs> All right, that uh, you know that's maybe a bit of a hyperbole. Maybe you've never been in that situation, but certainly you've been wronged and you've wanted to pay back. And then that person wants to pay back, and we get in. Sometimes the emotions just take over, 
And you don't even care if you damage yourself. Sometimes that happens. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting myself and other people, but I'm going for it because this thing, this desire to do damage is out of control. Um, really, that, because this willingness to damage is a, it's rooted in our hearts, it means that it just lies just below the surface for every one of us. And some of the ways, so you probably don't do this with your car, but there's probably other ways that you damage people. You may give somebody in your house the cold shoulder, or you may talk over people, you know, you don't like what they're saying, just talk over, or you ignore them out of spite. Sometimes we silently punish people, or we, we find ways to make them pay. I'm going to withdraw, maybe I'll slam a door, or I'll withdraw affection and warmth, or I'll say negative things about them to somebody else, because that's how I get back. And so that's why we live with this in our heart, and it's, it's this idea, like, I don't really, I'm a good person, I don't really want to have to hurt you, but I, w- I will if I have to. Over and over in my life, I've been willing, I've been willing to damage and hurt people, and it's really hard to admit. There's, there's all these more civil ways of, you know, civil ways of hurting other people are really no better than the parking lot video. The issue is that the same root of foolishness is in our hearts. So what, we, what I've just shown you is somewhat of an x-ray. The Bible provides us an x-ray of our hearts, and we're in trouble because our heart, we have sad hearts. We are, that means we're selfish, we're arrogant, and we're willing to damage people by nature. This is, this is every human being that's been born. And this is why our, our words and our actions, as Jesus said, hey, all those, those evil things just flow right on out of the heart. This is why our actions create so many problems. If you have problems in your life, especially relationship ones, oh man, you probably can find a, a line traced back to your own heart. And if you're here today with any problems, it, um, there, there may be some heart issues at the root. So our approach to life without even thinking about it consciously. I want what I want. I deserve what I want. And I don't want to, but I'll hurt you to get what I want if I need to. So out of these three heart problems, really at the root, grow five different foolish strategies, or five different fools. Um, As I mentioned in this series, we've been looking at uh, how the Bible describes fools. And so if you take the words and you look back at the original Hebrew, there, there's, there's different Hebrew words. And so far, we've looked at the profile for three different types of fools. I'll do a real quick review. If you look at the back of your handout, you can see we looked first at the easy way fool. This, this, when we get into this, it means I tend to be a lazy liar. And there's, I'm, kind, I'm trying to find a magic key that will help me unlock the door to the easy life. The key tool for the, the easy way fool is, is lying to cover up their laziness. And if they get caught in, in being lazy, they blow up in anger. There's the reactive way fool or the controlling way fool. They, they get upset as a tool to either control or manipulate people to get what they want. They try to move people around like chess pieces. And this creates a lot of resentment and a lot of, man, a lot of conflict in relationships and family. This type of fool experiences more relational turmoil, and a lot of physical illness in life than most. We looked last week at the fun way fool, and and this fool has pretty reckless, blind desire for fun. When they see what they want, they just lock on like a radar, and they go for it with no thought about the consequences. It could be the most damaging, destructive thing, doesn't matter, going for it. And so they live in denial, 
And in the extreme versions of, of the, the fun way fool, they end up living deprived lives because of their addictions. So these three that we looked at already in the past three weeks, they flow especially from the aveleth, the, the real stubborn selfishness, the S in our sad hearts. If you look at how this scripture traces this out, that first heart problem develops in us in, in these three expressions. But I want to introduce you today to the last two fools. One fool really grows out of that arrogance. Another fool grows out of that willingness to damage. And so for that first heart problem of arrogance, the A and sad, we, we can sometimes see the glory way fool. The Hebrew word that we have for this is halal. Um, the halal, or the glory way fool, is related, it's related to that, that word halela, which is that word for arrogance. Halela kind of sounds like hallelujah. Halela, hallelujah. But there's a big difference because hallelujah means praise of God, whereas halela means praise myself. This fool wants the praise and the glory for themselves. They want to be at the center of attention right now. Metaphorically speaking, they, it's almost like they're constantly posing selfies, you know, through life. According to scripture, arrogance is, is a problem that we have to battle with as long as we're alive. A key tool that this halal or glory way, glory way person uses is pushiness. And if we look at Psalm 75, we see an example of this. It says, I say to the boastful, in this case, um, the halal is translated as a boastful person. I say to the boastful, do not boast. To the wicked, do not lift up your horn. Do not lift up your horn against heaven or speak arrogantly. So the horns kind of are a reference, a description to the strategy where sometimes we push people out of the way to get to the top. If, if the halal was an animal, Every fool we've, can, we've identified as an, a corresponding animal. <laughs> if the halal was a, an animal, they'd be a peacock. Peacock who struts is, is kind of like an, an example of the, the less damaging version of this fool. A friend of mine lived near El Monte in L.A., and, and in their neighborhood there's wild peacocks that just hang around in the trees or on roofs, or sometimes they just walk down the street. And you have to drive slowly because they're bold, and they'll just strut right down the street. They expect you to get out of the way for them. <laughs> and this is, this is a kind of a picture of the halal, completely self-absorbed with their own agenda. A summary, if you were to summarize the verses uh, using this Hebrew word halal, you'd find um, a summary of, of this strategy where this person tends to talk incessantly about themselves. Uh, they may take shortcuts to leadership and power, just trying to leapfrog people. Or they may push to get on top through lying, threats, and in some extreme cases, even violence. Glory grabbing, they could take credit for other people's work. If, if this person is in a group or an organization or a workplace, they'll cause damage by undermining the leaders that are over them. They may even create a posse. Just get, rally some support, um, gain the influence of some smaller group of people that are maybe more easily swayed, and they may cause division in groups in work or in family or even in church. There's another description of this fool in Psalm 73 that shows the core issue. It says, therefore, pride is their necklace, and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run wild. They mock, they speak maliciously, they arrogantly threaten oppression. Next verse says, they set their mouths against heaven and their tongues strut across the earth. Therefore, it's his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing words. The wicked say, 
How can God know? Does the Most High know everything? The core problem for a person that has really embraced this foolish strategy is that they're grabbing for power that God has not given. And sometimes we can fall into this. God, God is the one who puts people in authority. He puts people over us. He decides whether or not to elevate or not. And sometimes we, we want to grab for position or influence or things that God's just not given us yet. And uh, this fool, when, it gets, when it's really embraced, this, this forms the basis for criminal personalities, like the mafia don or, or a gang leader. But some of the characteristics that we can probably identify of, of the glory way fool is just being boastful, self-promoting, or sometimes even scheming to get our way to the top. And God does make a promise throughout the Bible that he will humble the proud. Sometimes it doesn't seem like he does it fast enough. You know, maybe like we see some people that need to be humbled and he maybe doesn't do it right away, but he will humble the proud. And so we, we got to, for ourselves, we got to know how to move beyond the glory way. One key way to do this is to choose humility and to serve others. If this resonates with you, this might be a next step. Find ways, how can I just intentionally lower myself? Instead of grabbing for position or opportunity, just start to serve the people that are there. Philippians uh, 2, 3 and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So in very practical ways, just let other people go ahead. If they cut in line in front of you, hey, serve them. Why not? Just go for it. If others get exalted, cheer them on. Celebrate the, the success of others. Do work behind the scenes. Maybe it comes with no gratification, but you do the work that's needed because it just needs to get done. I want to show you the, the last, the final, the fifth foolish profile that we're going to look at in this series, and it's the predatory way fool. Um, this word fool often gets translated from the Hebrew word nabal. And this, this fool is ruthless. This is a merciless person who plots harm. The real key tool here is pretense. And you get, you get a picture of this predatory approach in Isaiah 32. It says a fool, again, so there's that word fool, but underneath it's the Hebrew word nabal. A fool will no longer be called a noble because actually sometimes they seem, they appear through pretense to be noble. Nor a scoundrel will be said to be important for a fool speaks foolishness and his mind plots iniquity. This person, their mind is busy plotting their advance. He lives in a godless way and speaks falsely about the Lord. He leaves the hungry empty and deprives the thirsty of drink, meaning he's willing to cause people pain. So this person is far more depraved than all the other fools we've looked at. They're, they're so effective with the tool of pretense that sometimes they're lurking in the shadows and pretending to be your best friend, and you don't even see him coming. An animal that represents this fool would be the shark. A shark that just comes up from the depths of the ocean and they get prey and you, just, you never see it coming. This fool is very opposed to God and atheistic in their views. There's no God, so there's nobody who's going to hold me accountable. So I can be ruthless, I can do whatever I want, and it doesn't matter. There's no God. They're free from moral boundaries, which makes them very dangerous to society. A predatory, if you, if you summarize some of the, the verses that use the, the Nabal, uh, word, you find out they're two-faced, intensely selfish, 
very harsh, verbally and cruel, plotting evil. They spread error about the God of the Bible. They'll squirm out of debts. They may even be in the religious profession. And then it's very shocking when, when the media uncovers what's going on. But the, the Bible warns about that kind of thing. This fool prefers a win, I win, you lose situation, even more than a, we both win, not a, I win, you lose. So we have to put safeguards in place to protect against these predators and individuals, sometimes even, individual, even in church life. And for all of us, when we start noticing, so this tends to get more extreme than where many of us live, but sometimes we, we may even notice within ourselves a cruel desire to hurt others or to pay back. Man, we got to quickly move in the other direction. This, uh, this, this flows out of that root of, of willingness to damage. The D in our sad hearts. Though we might not become full-blown villains, there's more subtle, maybe polished ways of, of punishing or hurting other people to get our agenda done. For many of us, it might start, maybe it starts with a seed of unforgiveness. It might start with some bitterness that is extremely difficult to get out. Sometimes you feel unforgiving or bitter, and most of the time, okay, in my life, most of the time when I've been really struggling with bitterness and unforgiveness, you'd ask me and I'd say, no, I've, I've forgiven. I've, I've put it in the past. It's behind me. I don't even know my own heart in that moment because sometimes it's still there. And you know when it shows up, when I'm withdrawing or doing damaging things or short my responses or distancing myself, that's, it's still there. So how do we move beyond this willingness to damage or eventually get into the predatory way? It's to become, one way is to become a compassionate giver. Colossians 3 has been a very powerful passage in my life that has helped, it really describes how we can move from anger and bitterness and then convert that move to compassion and forgiveness. Really find out real love, real genuine desire to serve and love people. It's a real hard, it's a real hard shift to make. So we've covered five fools, five foolish strategies that the Bible tells us about, and I'm still battling with a lot of them myself. And it's because I have a heart problem. My heart is sad, I'm selfish, I still have arrogance in my heart, and you cross me, I'm still willing to damage. And this, these things are really hard to admit. These, we can never get freedom from, from foolishness in the self-damage on our own. There's nobody that is, that is strong enough or insightful enough or has the most human resources on their own to get rid of this. We can't, we're stuck. We have a problem. And if you're here, right now, and if you've got problems in your life right now, let's say you've got some relationship problems or tensions or conflicts or struggles, or you're battling with God, with your thoughts, or you've got other, just other problems erupting in your life at work or elsewhere, if you have problems, you're in the right place. You're welcome here. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's how it goes for, for uh, the biggest problem that we all share is that starting out Starting out in life, our biggest problem is that God is not okay with us. Even those of us that are good people, God's not okay with us. He has a very big problem, and he's promised and said that he'll pour out his wrath on, on us. And the beautiful thing about our God is that 
He wants so much for us to have a right relationship with him that he, he made the way for us to get right with him. So we, we start out with a big problem, but he, he created a solution. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us, to pay. So all that, all that nasty, ugly, black, sinful stuff that's in our hearts that we can't seem to escape from, we're supposed to die for that, eternally be in separation from God forever. That's the wages of sin is death. That's what, that's what we're owed. That's what we, we're, we're owed wrath. But Jesus died, and he paid for all of it if we would turn to him and put our faith in him. And, oh my goodness, we can start getting freedom. We can start getting freedom from our sad hearts, our selfishness, our arrogance, and our damaging, because Jesus is none of that stuff. He's selfless. He is humble, and he serves. He came to serve, not to be served. There's just a, there's a difficulty, though, that a lot of people in Santa Clara to have when it comes to trusting in Jesus. And like, it sounds really good. Like, yeah, he's my savior. Like, hey, I'm, I am a Christian. I've, I've, he's, I want to be saved from my sin. But a lot of people have have problem because there's, there's something that, there's a story that Je- about Jesus where one guy came to him and he said, hey, Jesus, what do I have to do to get eternal life? And Jesus says, well, follow the commandments. You know, don't kill, don't lie. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm good. I've done all this. Since I was a kid, I've done all that stuff. And I'd say most people in Santa Clarita are pretty good people, and they, you know, not killing people generally, and not stealing too much. I'm good. I've been a good person. And Jesus, after that, Jesus says, all right, there's one thing that you have to do still. You have to sell everything. Give up everything that's important to you. Just everything. So sell everything. He's talking talking about possession. Sell everything and give it to the poor. And the guy wasn't ready to give it all up. And so he actually walked away sad. He's like, whoa, <laughs> the stakes were actually way higher than I thought it was. This putting our faith in Jesus, like I have to give up everything? It is really hard. I don't just, I don't just mean material stuff, like you got to go sell it, but I mean like your time. We've got to give up our time, our desires, things that we prioritize. We have so many priorities. Like look at your week. What'd you do this week? Look at your kids. Look at where your money goes. Look at where your time goes and all of your energy and your focus, the things that you plan, the things that you want, things that you're proud of. Sell it all. You got to sell it all. And then you can follow me, is what Jesus says. <laughs> and you're like, man, now I understand why that guy went away sad. Like, that's it is hard to follow Jesus. And the, and the problem is, if we don't sell it all, if we don't give everything, put our faith in him and just surrender everything to him, we're, we're on this track towards hell. Eternal separate. We know we live, and then we die, and then we go to hell, eternally separated from God forever. And we're on this track, and you cannot get off that track. There's no way to get off that track unless... You put your faith in Jesus Christ. You give up everything, and you put your faith in him. Then you jump tracks. You get on a new track headed towards eternal life with God, with the people of God, with Jesus forever, eternal joy and happiness. There's only one way to get on that track, and it's a hard, it's, it's kind of, it's costly. It's very hard to follow Jesus because we don't, there's a lot of things we don't want to give up. And the good, part of the good thing, though, is we can get some freedom. If we do that, the other, the other benefit that gets thrown in is we get some freedom from all this destructive foolishness that we just, we're just wrecking our lives with. So praise God for that. And there have been some people in our church this year that have jumped tracks. 
and they have put their faith in Christ as a result of the good work that God is doing through you all at Valley Lights, there's a handful of people that have decided to become true followers of Jesus. And some of them are getting baptized next Sunday, which I am super excited about because baptism, is, it's, it represents that monumental decision to follow Jesus, to sell everything and to follow him. And so if you're, if you're at a point in your life right now where you're not sure if you've fully committed to Christ and you want to do that, you can't. You can't do that today. And you can get baptized next week if you've, if you've never done that either. And I would strongly encourage it. Put your faith in him. Take the step of faith. Sell everything. It is worth it. It is absolutely worth it. And if you've already been baptized, you've already been walking with Christ, I'd love to invite you to come to the baptism and celebrate. It's at a, it's a, it's a, the pool and hot tub recreation center near our house. And so next week when church ends, we're going to drive there and go to that location where we can find some water to dunk some people. And uh, so I would encourage you, even though it's, you know, you kind of lose people in the transition, but I would love to invite you all to come be a part of that and celebrate. This is, baptism, it really is, I mean, if you're a member here, if you're like, you want to help us move the mission forward, this is like a pretty big reason that we're here. <laughs> this is a big deal to celebrate with those that have put their faith in Christ. So I hope this morning's message has been helpful for you to maybe even self-reflect where you're at spiritually. We're all on a spiritual journey at different places on it. Wherever you're at on your journey, take the next step towards God. And I'm really glad that you're here this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the eternal life given to us through Jesus. For God, you, you sent him to make a way for us to get right with you, and I'm so grateful. And we sure do make a big mess of our lives often. Even, even, even those who have been Christians, we still make a mess. But you find, you've given us the way to find forgiveness and peace and freedom and reconciliation. We're so grateful. Would you help those that are, that are sorting through their commitment to Christ to take a step towards you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.